0: You're listening to the pulpit ministry of North Life Baptist Church with Pastor Harley Snowd. At North Life Baptist Church, our mission is to encourage each person to take the steps of loving God, growing together, and serving others. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.northlife.church. Now, stay tuned for today's message. My heart is just full. It's just overflowing. It's been, I mean, I say this week, it's been two days, right? Uh, we started here about 48 hours ago, and what a marvelous time this has been. Uh, I, first of all, I just have to say thank you to all of you folks here. You you have been so kind. I, just at the conference, if I start listing, I will run out for the good food that's been provided, for, for the really nice place to stay. You want to know most of all. Just how you guys have opened your hearts to us, you've made us feel loved and at home. Uh, I've never been to this place before, and I feel like I'm with family. Uh, And we are just delighted to have had this chance to spend with you. Thank you for everything, and and I and I just and I have to. I have so many things whirling in my mind right now. And thank you for your support since the very first days of your church that you've stood with Rhonda and I in the work, whether it was in Israel and then Ukraine and now in the States, uh, you guys have been with us and you've prayed for us faithfully and you've supported us and you've loved us. And there aren't words to express how much that means. We thank you so much for what you've done. Can you believe these missionaries that have been here this week? Wow. I mean, it's I tell people, one of the neatest things about being a missionary is you get to hang out with the absolutely the most awesome people in the world. And it's true. It's true. Uh, we, Friday evening, we had Chase and Ashley. What just delightful, wonderful young kids going. And you know, they're acting like it's no big deal. They're going in harm's way to serve the Lord and can't wait to get there. And it's, that's beautiful. And then Tolson's going to China been to China, done wonderful things already in China, going back in two weeks, three weeks, uh, biggest country in the world. And they're doing a fantastic work. And uh, I, I, this presentation, I love MMO, although I also like to go over to their display and move the letters around and make it say mom. <laughs> uh, somebody needs to do that. Uh, but, but I, I love miss- medical missions outreach. It's what a fantastic ministry, I'm, and and what enormous fruitfulness! Um, it's just it's a wonderful thing, and and so to think about that, I had somebody say to me, "Where are you this week?" I said, "I'm in Worcester, Ohio," and they were like, "Never heard of it." <laughs> I said, "You never heard of Worcester? What's wrong with you people? Uh, you know?" And I, I'm trying, I, you know, I'm I'm trying to tell them this is this is the place. Uh, a little church well, it used to be a little church in a town that many people have never heard of and you're having an impact literally around the world that ought to thrill your heart it thrills my heart it's amazing and not just Rubbermaid Rubbermaid's still here? no, sort of? When we were in Moscow, starting our church, we went out to buy chairs, and they had two or three different kinds of chairs. We bought Rubbermaid. I said, we got to get the Rubbermaid. They're from Worcester, Ohio. We got to get those ones. And we did. We planted our church with Rubbermaid chairs, uh, white plastic stacking chairs. Uh, so people don't know, but God's using this church around the world, and it's a beautiful thing. My ministry... In, you know, you stop thinking about it. Tolson's to the biggest country in the world. Medical missions, the whole world. Sam Wilson. Okay, so I'm going to like the world's smallest people group, the Jewish people. Okay, there's like 15 million in the world. Okay, that's, that's probably, yeah, that's among those. Uh, and there's another thing that I need to say. Okay, so like I live in America uh, as a missionary. That's kind of embarrassing to say. And, uh, and I'll give you one more other thing that's weird about my ministry. I'm not the one that's going to go reach the Jewish people. You are. Okay? Because we studied this, and there's no way in the world. There's six million Jewish people in America. Not counting the rest of the world. Just in America, we have six million Jewish people. And the way you reach Jewish people is by building relationships with them. And it's a witness uh, with multiple opportunities to witness to somebody that you know and trust over an extended period of time, and then they get saved. So, all I have to do is go build long term personal relationships with six million people scattered all over America, and we're good. Okay? The only way missionaries are not gonna get the gospel to the Jewish people of America, it's never gonna happen, it's impossible. But we can evangelize the Jewish people of America. And you know what? It isn't really even hard. He said, It's not? No. Nope. If we can get you and people like you in churches all across America to go out and say, I'll go find one Jewish person and I will love him and I will pray for him and I will share Christ with him, and I will keep on doing it no matter what until he comes to Christ. It may take weeks, probably not, months, that's more likely, years, sometimes decades, doesn't matter. I'm going to love them, pray for them, sow the seed of the gospel in their life, and stay at it for as long as it takes. Now, most people are scared to talk to Jewish people because they don't know what to say. And so we are actually going to invite a Jewish person into the auditorium tonight, and I'm going to demonstrate this, okay? We're going to actually do it here. Uh, John, are you Jewish? Sure. You are, I was going to say, you are now. Come here. All right. Did you guys know that John is Jewish? Uh, you said, does he look Jewish? What do you think? I, I'll tell you the truth. I have all kinds of people that tell me, "Oh, I can tell Jewish people." Just you can't. Trust me, you can't. I have no idea what Jewish people look like. Uh, I've been doing this for a long time, and they look like everything. So, so um, let me see. We don't have rubbermaid here anymore. Do we have a plant of some kind? What 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 is the industry here? Worcester paintbrush. What? Worcester paintbrush. Worcester paintbrush? Brush. Is that a thing? Okay. Okay. Good. So so John and I we work at Worcester Brush, uh, and and, and so he's kind of new on the job, but he seems like a decent sort of guy. And I don't know, he's Jewish, okay? And, and so John's there at work. And see, I'm a member over at North Life Baptist Church, and I've got a problem. Because preacher is just beating us up. I'm de- you know, we've got a big day coming up. It's friend day. And he's like, invite somebody to church. Invite somebody to church. Invite-. And I'm like, I don't know who to invite. I already invited everybody. I can't invite anybody. I don't know what to do. But the preacher, he's like really after us. And so I'm like, I've got to invite somebody to church. Who am I going to invite to church? I don't know who to invite to church. I had this idea. There's this new guy named John at work. I'll invite him to church. Let's move over a little bit here. Because I, I, need, I need room to operate here. Okay. Now, let me explain your part, okay? I need you to do the traffic cup thing. I want you to stand here. See, we're going to talk to each other like this, okay? And, and I want you, at the appropriate moment, to take and put your hand out like this and say, stop, I'm Jewish. Let's practice that. Let's see that. Stop, I'm Jewish. Okay, now I picked you because I knew you could do this and that, wasn't, that didn't get it. You got to do it like you mean it, okay? Okay. Did you have acting classes? Me neither. Okay, so... So, so we're going to do this, and so, so here we are. This is Sam going to go invite this guy that I don't know is Jewish to, to come to church. I say, hey, John, how's it going today? Great. The, the brush business going all right? Oh, yeah. Painting well, everything. Paint and everything. Are, do we paint? Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Hey, listen, I've been wanting to talk to you anyway. Um, I go over to, to North Life Baptist Church, and... And we're gonna be having this special day. Our preacher, he's gonna be preaching this great message. We're gonna have beautiful music. And best of all, we're gonna have great food. And it's friend day, and I wanted you to come as my friend. Stop. I'm Jewish. <laughs> I like food. <laughs> Stick with your part, man. Okay? <laughs> we know you like food. Okay? And I wanna invite you to our friend day. Stop. I'm Jewish. Okay, now I want to ask you a question here. What do you do at that moment? You're talking to this guy and suddenly he puts out his hand and he says, Stop, I'm Jewish. And we freeze like, like deer in the headlights, okay? Now, let's take a minute. I want to talk to you about what's going on inside John's head. Why does that make everyone in the room laugh? I need to know the answer to that. Okay, so what's going on? So when a Jewish person says, stop, I'm Jewish, here's what he's thinking. Okay, he's thinking Christianity is a religion for the Gentiles, that the New Testament is the Bible for the Gentiles. Jesus is God for the Gentiles. It has nothing to do with Jewish people. Okay, by the way, everything that was just said is absolutely completely wrong because Oh, I, I don't have time for because. It's all wrong, none of that's true. Christianity is for Jews and Gentiles, both for the Jew first and also for the Greek, according to the Bible. The New Testament is a book written by Jewish guys about a Jewish guy for a mostly Jewish audience, okay? And Jesus Christ was the Jewish promised Messiah. So that's all wrong. So, so he's doing that, and when he does the stop, I'm Jewish, he, what that means is, hey, listen, I understand you have your nice little Gentile religion, I'm Jewish, has nothing to do with me, so why don't you go peddle your, Jew, your Gentile religion among your Gentile neighbors and leave me alone since I'm Jewish, has nothing to do with me. That's what it means. It's just a, not mad at you, but just please go away. Okay, and so that's, that's what he means when he says that. Now, it's important to understand that in Worcester, Ohio, I have no idea what they think of Jewish people. But in most of the world, people put down Jewish people In most of the world, people persecute Jewish people, and you may not know that, but I'm telling you the truth, he knows it deep in his soul. And a Jewish person, as soon as he identifies himself as Jewish, he expects a negative response, okay, because that's what always happens, okay? And so, so people ask me, they say, well, Jewish people, do they hate us? No, but they are convinced that we hate them. You say, why would they think that? Yeah, they have two thousand years of really good evidence for it. Okay, Uh, they they have a lot of history that proves it. And so and so when he does that, stop! I'm Jewish. He's thinking this isn't for me. You just take your Gentile religion and go down the road. Okay, now that's what he thinks. What do I think when he does it? I think, what? You're Jewish? I didn't know you. I'm not saying any of this. I'm thinking that I didn't know you were Jewish. You don't look Jewish. Whoa, Whoa, whoa. I wonder if I offended him. Did I say something wrong? I don't know what to say. I'm scared to death. Um, um, well, uh, haven't nice I say bye? <laughs> and we run like rabbits, okay? That's how Christians witness to Jewish people, okay? We, we don't, because we don't know what to say. Okay, so we're gonna play this again, okay? So cut, take two. We're gonna run this all from the top. Hey, John, how are you doing today? Fine, thank you. Yeah, brush business going all right? It's going great. Wonderful, man. We need to sell some brushes around here. Hey, listen, I've been wanting to talk to you. I go over to, to North Life, Life Baptist Church, and we're going to be having a special day at our church, and, and we're going to be having good preaching and food and and, and uh, music, and I would love to invite you to come and be my friend. Stop. I'm Jewish. You're Jewish? I didn't know you are Jewish. That is wonderful. We love Jewish people. <laughs> Okay, I'm sort of overplaying that. Don't (laughs) hug him, okay? Uh, We love Jewish people. Okay, by the way, he's expecting a negative response. When I turned and ran, I reinforced it. What did he think? Oh, yeah, as soon as I tell him he's Jewish, he doesn't want to talk to me anymore, and he goes away. Instead of turning and running away, we love Jewish people. He's like, what? That's not what I expected. I completely threw him off. What? I've actually had Jewish people say, Why would you guys love us? And even if they don't ask it, trust me, they're thinking it. Okay? And so whether they ask the question or not, I'm answering it, okay? And so I say, we love Jewish people. You know what, John? It was through your people that God gave us the Bible. What a wonderful gift. And you know what's even better than that? It was through your people that God sent the Messiah to earth, my Savior. How could we not love you guys? Next part, actually, I have to give credit is Rhonda's. You know what? I, we think that as Bible-believing Christians, that it's high time, see, Jewish people feel like the whole world's against them because, well, the whole world's against them is why. Uh, we think that it's high time for us Bible-believing Christians to stand up and tell the world that in a time of terrorism, uh, of violence, of hatred, of anti-Semitism, it's time for us to stand up and tell people that we stand with Israel and we stand with the Jewish people. Now he wants to hug me, okay? Because Jewish people feel like so abused, like everybody's against them. Does that mean he's going to fall on his knees and receive Christ? No. Does it mean that his heart is probably softening and opening and I'm going to have a chance to share more gospel truth with him? Yes. And so that's how we start. Thank you, brother. Um, One of the things that I do as I travel the country is I go all over the United States in churches, and I will do a whole seminar, uh, six or 12 or 15 lessons, on how to witness to your Jewish neighbor. A couple things I want to say before we get into the Word of God. Number one is, I really want you to go witness to your Jewish neighbor. There are 175 Jewish people in this city. I promise you that most of them are not saved, Most of them have probably never heard, they've heard of Jesus, but they've never heard a presentation of the gospel. Okay? And in a week of missionaries saying, we're going to go and tell, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to go to them and tell them. I'm going to get my car tomorrow and drive to Georgia. Okay? Who is going to tell the 175 Jewish people in Worcester, Ohio about the gospel? Do you know who is? I'll tell you who is. Either you are or nobody is. There's nobody else. If we don't do it, it won't be done. And those people will perish. And so a week of missionaries saying, we're going to go, I'm going to say to you, you got to do the job. You're the only one who can do the job. Now, I'm not asking you to do something super, super hard. Go find one Jewish soul. You say, I don't know how to find him. If you don't know how to find him, you ask God to send you a Jewish person. He will. Uh, go find a Jewish soul. And say, that one belongs to me. I'm going to love them, pray for them, sow the seed, and keep doing it for as long as it takes until they come to Christ. You say, I really don't know what to say to them. I have a sign-up sheet over on my table. It is not for my prayer letter, okay? It is a letter I send out with advice about how you can witness to your Jewish neighbor. If you want to know more about witnessing to Jewish people, sign up. I'll send you emails about it. But what I would really love to see you do is come to 4-Day Focus. There's a brochure on my table about 4-Day Focus. It's a four-day conference on Jewish ministry. It starts four weeks from tomorrow morning, June 20th. It runs June 20 to 23rd at our mission board headquarters in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You come there, and we will teach you everything that you need to know to come back here and be New Life Baptist Church expert on Jewish ministry. I believe that somebody from every church in the country ought to come and get trained in doing Jewish ministry. Okay, probably, I mean, I would love for the whole church to come, but that's not going to happen. But there ought to be at least one person in every church in America who could say, I'm the go-to person in my church. I know about Jewish ministry, and I can help our church do that. Romans chapter 10. I'm running out of time. <laughs> we have to move along. Romans chapter 10. It's funny, I love the book of Romans. It's it's my favorite book in the Bible. Uh... And and it's interesting, you've read Romans many times, and you've read many of the verses that we'll read tonight. Maybe you don't even know, though, that Romans 9, 10, and 11 have a specific topic, a specific theme. Romans 9, 10, and 11 answer the question, well, what about the Jewish people? That's the theme of those chapters. And so everything we're reading in chapters 9, 10, and 11 have to do with the Jewish people. That doesn't mean it's only the Jewish people. A lot of things here will apply to others as well. But he's talking about the Jewish people here, and in, in verse, verse, uh, we'll start reading in verse ten. It says, "Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness." And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Let's take just a moment and ask the Lord's blessing on his word. Father, we, we pray that you would speak through your word. Lord, I could talk about these verses but if you don't work in our hearts then nothing eternal is going to happen here. And so we ask that you would move and that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. It's really an interesting thing. This passage starts out with Paul saying, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, you might say, well, that's natural. Paul was Jewish. He wanted his people to be saved. I agree. That's natural. But let me mention to you, Paul was. the Bible says that Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Gentiles. This is written by the apostle to the Gentiles. The apostle to the Gentiles is saying here, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that Israel will be saved. I mean, really, logically, he ought to have been writing, my, prayer to, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that the Gentiles would be saved because he was the apostle to the Gentiles. But no, the apostle of the Gentiles is saying, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that Israel might be saved. Go over to Romans chapter one in verse 16, where the where the apostle to the Gentiles writes this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the apostle to the Gentiles says, you know what, the gospel goes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm called to go to the smallest people in the world, but there are people that God has said are very important. God has put a priority. God even says here to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, some people are like, yeah, but, you know, he was probably just saying that. Okay, stop. That's the Bible. Don't say that. Okay, but you know what? I can demonstrate that this was at Paul's heart because everywhere he went to do ministry, he would come into a city and he would immediately go to the synagogue and preach the gospel to the Jew first. And then when he got done there at the synagogue, or when he got thrown out one of the two, uh then he would go out into the marketplace and preach also to the Gentiles. So he not only says, in Romans 1:16, "To the Jew first and also to the Greek." but the pattern of his ministry was that he always preached to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then in chapter 10: one, he says, "My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved." But I'll give you one more than that. Flip back one chapter to Romans chapter nine. One of the craziest verses in all the Bible. Okay, l- let me introduce the verse this way. Is there anybody here that's willing to sell their salvation? No takers? Okay, we need to up this up. If I gave you $100, would you give up your salvation? If I gave you $1,000. I know, you're thinking you're a missionary. Where would you get 1000 Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> If I gave you a million dollars, would you give up your salvation? And you're all looking at me like, Brother Wilson, you're crazy. There is no way I wouldn't give up my... There is nothing that would induce me to give up my salvation. I feel exactly as you do. But Paul disagrees. Look at chapter 9. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost... That I have great heaviness, continual sorrow in my heart. Look at verse 3. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Are you hearing what Paul just said? He said, I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. If it were possible, and folks, this isn't possible. If it were possible, I would give up my place if it would result in the salvation of the Jewish people. God could take my name out of the book of life. He could take away my place in heaven. He could take away my salvation if somehow that would result in the salvation of the Jewish people. Wow. A lot of people speculate about why do you suppose Paul had such a passion for the Jewish people? I'll tell you why I think. I don't think that these verses reflect Paul's heart. I think Paul's heart was tuned in to God's heart. And I think that these, I think that God has a great priority and a great passion and a great desire to see the Jewish people. Yes, and everybody else too. But to see the Jewish people come to Christ. I think God has great sorrow that so many of them are lost, and God has a great passion for the gospel to be gotten out to the Jewish people. And Paul's heart was merely a reflection of the burning passion of God's heart to see the Jewish people come to Christ. This raises a question why don't we have that passion? If God cares that passionately about the Jewish people, what's wrong with us? Why don't we care like he does? Verse 2. Paul writes, he says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. He says, let me tell you something about the Jewish people. He says, they have a zeal of God. They have a fire. They have a passion for the things of God. Now, it's really interesting, because in our day and age, we often don't see that. Many of the Jewish people in America today are not even religious at all. Some of them are even atheists. Most of them are not terribly religious. Now, we see this displayed most most vividly in the lives of the Orthodox. As Baptists, we often kind of pride ourselves that... You know, we are really, I mean, we have some neighbors who kind of go to a church from time to time, but you know, they've got like religion light, but us Baptists, you know, we're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and we do this activity, and that activity, there. we're at church, we do, we do our, read our Bible, and we pray, and we, you know, we're really devoted. Well, listen, when it comes down to devotion, we don't hold a candle to the Orthodox Jews. Okay, their devotion to their religion goes way past us. If devotion could save you, they'd be all the way saved. They have a great zeal for God. And again, I I could go into descriptions of telling how their day begins way before the sun rises when they, they get up at the wee small hours to perform certain rituals and certain prayers. And from that moment, all day long, every moment of their day until they go to bed late at night is regulated by all of the rules and regulations and traditions of their religion They have a great zeal for God. Even the non-religious Jewish people, when you get to know them, there's something in their soul. There's There's something in their soul. There's a hunger and a thirst to know God in the Jewish soul. There's a zeal of God in their soul, just like the Bible says. But it says they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They have a passion to know God, But they're going about it the wrong way. I have two boys. They're grown now. I remember my little boys. Little boys are sort of a perpetual motion machine. Uh, They have two speeds, 100 miles an hour and sound asleep. And that's it. I mean, that's all they do. Uh, And I remember my boy rocketing past me at 100 miles an hour. I grabbed his arm as he went by and said, son, it's good if you can go fast, but it's really a lot better if you can go fast the right direction. Going 100 miles an hour the wrong direction doesn't really help you. Okay, there used to be an old joke about a guy who was, who, who was at night and he dropped a quarter on the ground and he was looking for a quarter under the streetlight. And he's looking for his friend said, What are you doing? He said, I'm, I dropped my quarter. I'm looking for my quarter. And he said, Well, did you drop it right here? He said, No, I dropped it back there. He said, Well, why are you looking here? And he said, Because the light's better. Um, <laughs> so it's a really bad joke. Uh, but the Jewish people are trying so hard to find God. But they're going about it wrong. Uh, if you go back again to chapter 9, at the end of chapter 9, it says, what shall we say then, verse 30, chapter 9, verse 30, what shall we say then that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, these Gentiles have attained to righteousness, the righteousness which is a faith. And so he describes us Gentiles. And he says they weren't following after righteousness. So if we were to act out the Gentile, do, 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 I'm just a Gentile. I'm just going through life, not seeking God, just doing my thing and boom. I run into something. I go, what's that? And God says, it's God. And i like, uh-oh. And God says, listen, I got bad news and good news. The bad news is you've sinned and you've broken my commandments and you're going to die and go to hell. I'm like, oh, well, that's bad. And he said, the good news is I'm offering forgiveness, a free gift through faith. And Chantel says, well, that's really good. <laughs> I mean, hell or forgiveness for free. Yeah, I want that. That's what he's describing. He said the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, by contrast, Israel which are, have that zeal of God which followed after the law of righteousness. Which is striving so hard to fulfill all of these multitude of commandments and laws and rules and traditions. Israel which followed after the law of righteousness hath not attained in the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Okay, so that means why? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. He said the Gentiles weren't even looking for God, and they found Him. The Jews who were trying with all their heart, they had a zeal of God not according to knowledge. They were trying with all their heart, but trying the wrong way. Never got there. And they're perishing. This verse that we're reading... They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, is a terrible tragedy. What's wrong? For they, verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their unrighteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You say, well, what is all that about? Key phrase, going about to establish their unrighteousness. The key phrase here is that the Jewish person believes that if he can follow all the laws, all the commandments, all the rules, all the traditions that have been laid upon him by the rabbis, that that will make him righteous enough to get to heaven. They're going about to establish their unrighteousness. That's not exclusively a Jewish thing. The truth of the matter is, if you go downtown Worcester and you start asking people, hey, you're going to go to heaven? Well, I think so. Well, why do you think God's going to let you in? Well, I'm a good person. I follow the Ten Commandments. Yeah, except for that I just lied in saying I follow the Ten Commandments. I, I, I'm a good husband. You know, I went to church. I, I, got, I got baptized when I was a kid. We have all kinds of reasons that we can give why God, all of us, and they're all about establishing our own righteousness. What the Jews are doing is what the whole world is trying to do. We're, we're furiously working to establish our own righteousness so that we can be saved and go to heaven. And that's what the Jewish people are doing. They, they have that zeal, but it's not according to knowledge. Instead of seeking God by grace through faith, they're seeking him by trying to establish their own righteousness. And it's never going to work. If we read down through this chapter, it talks about the way you get saved. Verse 9, but if thou, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed." Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so the way of salvation, as you well know, is not through the works of, our, 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 through works of righteousness. It's not, through, it's not through religion, but it's through by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what this chapter clearly teaches. You say, well, maybe the Jews have one way and the Gentiles have another way. There are people teaching that. John Hagee teaches that. Um, I wouldn't mention his name, though. Uh, Look at verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. He says, you know what? There's only one way of salvation. Everybody's the same. We come to faith by by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, or we perish. That's the only way. Now, it might be that someone would, would come to me and they would say, but Brother Sam... I just don't get it, Sam. It says right there, whosoever believeth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? Whosoever call it, what does it say? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, what's wrong with those Jews? I mean, it's really simple. I mean, it's right there in black and white. It's really, all they have to do is call on the name of the Lord, and they'll be saved. Why don't they just call on the name of the Lord and get saved? I don't get it. What's wrong with these people? And I'd have to say, you know, that's a very good question. I appreciate you asking that. Let's look at what the scriptures say. Uh, What's the next verse? Verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Brother, they can't call on the name of the Lord and be saved because they haven't believed in the Lord. It's that simple. They can't call on him because they haven't believed. Well, why don't they believe? It's not that hard. They ought to just believe in Jesus. That's very simple. They need to believe. That's all there is to it. I'm like, good point. I appreciate you bringing that up. But but let's look further what it says in the scriptures. It says, how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? See, the problem is, is they can't call on the name of the Lord and be saved because they don't believe and they can't believe, it says, because they haven't heard. They've never heard the gospel. They've never heard about Jesus. Seriously? You expect me to believe that? You expect me to believe that they've never heard about Jesus? Everybody's heard about Jesus. Don't give me a break, okay? I know they've heard about Jesus. You can't live in Worcester, Ohio not hear about Jesus. They've certainly heard about Jesus. Well, you know, you're right. They have heard about Jesus. But the question is, what have they heard about Jesus? I'll tell you what they've heard about Jesus. They've heard from the rabbis that Mary was stepping out with a Roman soldier and behaved poorly and got in trouble and ended up pregnant and didn't want to admit to what she'd done. So she said, It's from God. They've heard that, they've heard blasphemy. They've heard that Jesus was a nice Jewish boy and the Gentiles went and and, and turned him into a god. They've heard that Jesus was a false teacher. They've heard that Jesus is worthy of a horrible death. They've heard a lot of things about Jesus from their rabbis and from Jewish culture. You know what they haven't heard about Jesus? They've never heard the truth, they've never heard the gospel. Well, why haven't they heard the truth? Why haven't they heard the gospel? That's terrible. How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Let me tell you why they haven't heard. They haven't heard because you haven't told them. It says, how shall they hear without a preacher? It's not talking about the preacher. It's talking about the preachers. They haven't heard because the church has dropped the ball. The church hasn't taken the gospel to the Jewish people. And so we have Jewish people living here in Ohio that have never heard the gospel. And it's not that there's something wrong with them. It's that there's something wrong with us. That we haven't taken the gospel to them. Which brings me back to where I started. The only way that we can get the gospel to the Jewish people of Worcester, Ohio is if you do it. It's not hard. I'm not asking you to do something extremely hard. Go find a Jewish person. And when you find him, love him. I mean, you know, the real kind of love, not the like fakey Baptisty kind we do sometimes. Love him. Pray for him. I'm not saying one time. Pray and pray and pray and pray. Regularly sow the seed of the gospel in his life. And no matter how he reacts, if his heart is cold and hard, if he he yells at you, if he tells you to go away, smile nicely and keep on doing it. Love, prayer, sowing the word and staying at it. And just do that for as long as it takes because the Jewish people are perishing and we must get the gospel to them, Pastor.